Greetings. You're listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast, and this is episode 108. Greetings, everyone. I pray you and your families are managing to stay safe and you are able to pick up the remnants of your life to make a move with your plans. Now, I want to start by inviting you to take a look at my newly launched podcasting course, which is aimed at absolute beginners who want to start a podcast for business or pleasure. What you're listening to now is a podcast. And starting a podcast is something I did just over two years ago. Today, it is so very important for us to get our voices heard in as pure a form as possible without any dilution, interference or interruptions. And that's what a podcast can do for you, for your hobby or your interest and for your side hustle. So why not make 2021 the year you jump past your fears or uncertainties and invest in yourself by clicking one of the podcast course links in the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. And I, well, I'm just going to look forward to seeing you in my online classroom. This week, I wanted to speak about the new post-COVID normal that's being planned for black people in the West and the role we have in making sure we take some decisions for ourselves. It was always my view that the right-wing government that we have in the UK and the general leaning towards the right that has taken place in the UK and in the Western world would always be looking for a way to claw back the ground they believe issues of race have gained since the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement, the public lynching of George Floyd and all that emanated from that, and the high-profile state murders of several other black people and all that's yet to emanate from that. I mean, what do you think that whole debacle about the commissioned race report or what is more commonly being called the sewage report, what do we think that was all about? It was not about finding solutions to address the deep-seated racism that is a fundamental part of Western societies, and also a fundamental part of the way we have to live in the UK. If the government was serious about reaching serious and life-changing conclusions... The government would have chosen people who have track record on delivering solid, truthful, evidence-based research and results about black people in Britain because they would already have track record of being involved in communities in Britain. And so having us at the heart of the report would not have been an exception. But instead... This report was about giving the usual black people who use kiss-ass practices as a survival strategy and a way to show whites just how loyal they are 
in the hope that when crumbs are being dished out, they will be at the front of the queue to be rewarded for their services. It was about them queuing for those rewards and using their blackness as a weapon against their own black people. And so producing that report was intended to slot into line behind those principles. But the report and its intended consequences were an abject failure, with the government and its Marsa lackeys being completely shocked and surprised that the venom of objection to that report came from some of the strongest white institutions in the UK. Now, of course, the government and its people had planned their responses and had the usual let's be little black people who complain about the report. Well, they had those answers ready, but the government were completely overwhelmed by the anger and the absolute incredulity of the anti-racist lobby in the UK. And the report very quickly died a death to avoid causing any further embarrassment to an already beleaguered prime minister. But even though this report has died in the way they intended to use the report, the significance of the report should not be lost on us. The report gives us a bird's eye view of how the government, with the help of those self-serving black bourgeoisies, how they had intended to minimise the existence of racism at all in Britain with the very clear intention of returning black people to that space we used to occupy where you couldn't even speak about race or racism for fear of being accused of playing the race card. They wanted us to occupy that space where more black people were prosecuted under new hate crime legislation for racism against white people, which was completely the unintended consequence of that legislation that we were led to believe. But the intention was to make it doubly difficult for black people to challenge racists for fear of white people using their privilege to steer the sympathy vote onto themselves and then using the power they command in institutions to support prosecutions of black people for hate crimes. This was the level of silencing that was planned for black people in Britain once that report was published. But the whole thing has now imploded in the faces of the government and in the faces of those self-serving black bourgeoisies who have no connection to real community and therefore thought they could just throw out these responses and black people would be silenced for complaining about them and white people would stay silent and it just didn't work out that way and that for me is a cup half full situation. Now as you know I'm a cup half full kind of person and what that means is that even when bad mind is planned for me, I always look for the lessons I can take away. And I did the same with this report and its intended post-COVID plans for black people. And the top three key things that I believe we need to have in mind post-COVID are that number one, your job, black worker, is not guaranteed. Removing your job 
is one of the easiest ways that black people can be kept in line and can be made to eat post-Covid, keep your mouth shut about racism, humble pie. If you as a black person are still on furlough, as I have showed you in previous podcast episodes, your job is likely to be at risk when things begin to open back up again. Does this mean you'll be out of a job? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that if you were once employed in one of the industries that has taken a direct COVID hit, if there is no job for you, then you will be re-employed. But you are unlikely to be re-employed on the types of stable employment contracts that you were on before furlough. And also, what we are seeing now is that business owners are trying hard to recoup their financial losses. And one of the key ways of doing this is to lower their wage bills by trying to renegotiate people's contract at lower hourly rates or with reduced contract benefits. And if you want to read up on that, then just Google British Gas new contracts and you'll see the whole savage scenario being played out online. So if this is you and you plan to remain in the jobs market, then you need to review your knowledge, your skills and your experiences linked to your job and then go on to LinkedIn and also other online job sites and do a search to see where else your job expertise can take you and what other work you might be able to do. If you're leading this, then you're likely to have more choice. But it could be that you remain in your main job. And if that's the case, then you might have to take a second job to meet your financial commitments if you're one of those people who sees your terms and conditions renegotiated. But as I've said, the key thing is not to wait until these changes are thrust upon you. Instead, be very sure that changes are planned. This right-wing government we have has already commissioned a review of your employment rights with the aim of repealing rights that get in the way of businesses having the freedom to hire and fire workers at will. A bit like the American right-to-work legislation. And so be very sure that this cronyism-infected government will do what it takes to help businesses have less responsibilities towards you And in the face of that, you need to have a plan B if having a job is a major part of your plans. Number two is to complete a review of your finances so you have complete oversight of your income, your outgoings, where you can make savings and most importantly, how much it costs you per day to maintain your current life all bills included. The most liberationary thing you can do for your future planning is to know how much it costs you per day to live and in the event of you not having paid work you then know how much you would need to raise every day if these people take your job. In podcast episodes 97 and 98 I go into great detail about how to work your daily living figure out. And there is a download worksheet that you can use to help you work out what I call your financial freedom figure. 
And I call it your financial freedom figure, because if you know how much you have to raise every day, once you've reached that figure from other income sources, you can then start thinking about cutting down your hours at work so you can spend that time creating other financial opportunities for yourself and your family. And that brings me on to the third thing you need to do, which is the absolute need for you to create additional streams of income. I can't stress this enough. Having all your financial eggs in one job is never a secure thing, because as you well know, you can be held to ransom for that job when you need to earn money, but you don't have anything else in the pipeline that you have set up to help you earn that money. It doesn't have to be anything major. It can be as simple as looking at the skills, interests, hobbies and talents that you have and using them to create a quick product and then selling that product to family and friends and people on your social media pages. It's as simple as that to get started. I have family members right now who work full-time jobs but are doing a little baking at home and selling their bakes to friends and family. Now you might think this is small time and can't change anything but what you're missing is that activities like this help to build your confidence and if you can keep the consistency and keep supplying people who want to buy from you you are in fact learning some of the key movements of side hustle creation and growth. Better still, if you save the money you raise from your activities and you use that money to expand your efforts or just bank the money and save up to a point where you can buy a nice chunk of unpaid time from your day job, time you can really use to explore other ways that you can develop your income streams, this would be a great way to make progress. In all of this, you have to have courage. A lot is going to be thrown at us for what is left of 2021. And so for that, we all need to have courage. You need to plug into your courage and not allow the antics of this government and those self-serving bourgeoisies to overwhelm you. Being more courageous in your life will help you respond appropriately to the fear that you might have and the risks that might be coming your way when the real changes that the government wants to implement start rolling towards us. And having that courage will help you to accomplish positive things in your life. Being courageous is about thinking things through. It's about examining the risks and rewards and acting in spite of the fear that you will feel, especially if you're moving out of your comfort zone to go after those big changes. Plugging into your courage gives you the power to go after change and to chase after things that are important to you. And leading with your courage also works wonders for your self-confidence. That same self-confidence that your employers think you don't have and why your employers think you will settle for whatever changes are pushed onto you rather than risk the job. Instead, a strong bout of self-confidence will support you to believe in your abilities. 
Now, just so we're clear, having courage doesn't mean you won't feel fear. But I want you to see that feeling fearful is healthy because it allows you to slow down and evaluate the risks you're going to take properly. So never beat yourself up or assume you are not courageous because you're feeling fearful. To be courageous simply means that you are able to act in spite of the fear you're feeling. And the more you are able to face your fears, the more you will replace your fear-based responses with courageous-based responses. And once you have courage, you open up opportunities for you to see the world from a different perspective. You also develop courage skills, which gives you an ability to empower others to do the same. Once you step out in courage, you're also more likely to step out of your comfort zone and be more courageous. And that will help to broaden your experiences. And broader experiences have been proven to make you a much more successful person. That's not me saying it. This is what research tells us. You're more likely to be successful because you're more likely to pursue your dreams and seize opportunities as they present themselves in your life's circumstances. But biggest of all, research clearly shows that embracing your courage and incorporating courage into your life will increase your sense of happiness. Since the UK left the European Union, there have been moves afoot to remove the sense of security and this belief that people should have permanent contracts for life. Well, to remove that from the jobs market because those who fund the current government are pushing for this. And although COVID has been devastating to the world of work as we knew it, don't think for one second that business with the help of government won't look for an opportunity to make gains on that. As we move into Next Steps Britain and the rest of the Western world, we need to bear in mind that we were not flavour of the month before moving into Covid. And until now, I haven't seen anything to suggest that this will change when we fully get out of Covid. So in ending... I want you to be aware that the moment when you want to quit, what that tells me is that when the push and the shove comes to destabilise you, the expectation will be that you don't have a response. In this episode, I'm encouraging you to listen to it and to re-listen to it and to take action on the three key points that I've made. The first being to evaluate your job. The second one being to get an oversight of your finances. And the third one being to start to look at other streams of income. If you follow any black business groups or lifestyle groups on social media, we are all saying the same thing. And there is no better time to start than now. On the 30th of October 2021, at the QE2 in London, the UK will again play host to the largest black business show in the UK 
and in Europe. It's expected that there will be over 200 black businesses that are exhibiting, with over 4,000 people expected to attend the event. If you're looking for ideas and inspiration about your own side hustle startup, there can be no better place to go than to visit the shore and get some ideas about your own startup plans. So in ending, I want you to be aware that the moment when you want to quit and just go back to standard living, well, I want you to remember that that moment when you want to quit is the exact moment we need you to keep on pushing and reviewing and building and creating. There are bets on you that you won't do this. But me, I put all my bets on you doing everything possible to prove the doubters and the take for granteders, well, to prove them wrong. I've identified 2021 as the year we need to fly. It's time for you to consider leaving the nest. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asher. And for this week, I'm out.